Well, amen. That's pretty incredible, right? So, uh, John, thank you for leading our student ministry uh, to camp, and we appreciate that. You know, I read something recently from a, um, from a youth speaker that said, prior to this year at student camps, he would receive about 8 to 10 percent of the students make a response uh, to the gospel, but this year he is seeing close to 20 to 30 percent of the students are making a response to the gospel when it's presented to them at student camp. So what that means is, yeah, praise God, praise God. So what that means is God, God is moving in this generation, and uh, I'm so thankful that uh, our church can be a part of that. And so, students, we are glad you're back. We're so glad that you made a decision, either for Jesus, uh, to rededicate your life, or to go to full-time ministry, and I'm so, so thankful for that. Um, let's give our students another round of applause. Can we do that? Thank you all. Thank you. And I love the cat in the video. I greatly appreciate that. That did not change my thought about cats whatsoever. Um, uh, Cliff and April and Heather, thank you so much for leading us in worship this morning. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, uh, I'm going to ask you to turn actually to three different texts this morning. We have, or I have, a two-and-a-half-hour message this morning. As a matter of fact, when we're done, we're going straight to the picnic is what we're going to do. Uh, but, uh, but, but in all seriousness, go to, I want you to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 29, um, Psalm 46, and Isaiah 36, and just put your fingers uh, there into those spots, and we are going to get to those in just a few minutes as we are uh, continuing our summer series simply titled, Lord, I Want to Know You. This is a study on the names of God, and, and so far in this series, we have learned this that everybody has a God. Say that with me. Everybody has a God. Everybody worships something or someone, but the questions we ask about that statement is this. Well, who is he and what is he like? And in this series, we are just learning who is our God, what is he like, and whom are we following? And so far in this series, we have looked at the names of God as Abba Father. We've looked at Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. We've looked at Jehovah Nisi, uh, the Lord is my banner. Last week, we looked at Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. And today, we're going to learn a name that I don't know if you're are familiar with this name or not, but it is one of the most frequently used compound names of God in the Old Testament, and it's this, Jehovah Sabaoth. Jehovah Sabaoth, which simply means the Lord of hosts. Uh, the prophet Amos, in Amos chapter 4, verse 13, Amos said this. He said, for behold, there's that word behold, Cliff, for behold, he who forms the mountains and he who creates the wind and declares to man what are his thoughts, he makes dawn into darkness and treads on the high places of the earth, and the Lord God of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, is his name. Well, who is 
this God that we know as Jehovah Sabaoth. As I said to you just a few minutes ago, it is one of the most frequently used compound names of God in the Old Testament. Compound name, meaning this, the word or the name Jehovah is Yahweh, uh, which means the self-existing one. It's the name God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. It's the term I am. It's the name I am. The word or the name Sabaoth, Jehovah Sabaoth, it simply means this, a warrior, leader of the army, and our deliverer. And so when you put all of this together, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, really means that God is our deliverer. That God is the one who delivers us, and, and typically whenever we come to know Jehovah Sabaoth, two things in our life have happened. Number one, you have failed. Anybody in this room ever failed before? Why don't you look at your neighbor and let them know, yeah, I know that you have failed. <laughs> and look at your neighbor on the other side and say, and most definitely you as well. <laughs> We've all failed, right? We've all failed, and here's some really good news for you. You're gonna fail again. Thank you for coming here to First Baptist Church, Brunswick, today. We want to make you feel good, you failure. That's what we want you to know. No, we, we've all failed, haven't we? We've all failed, and when we fail, we need somebody to rescue us. His name, Jehovah Sabaoth, our deliverer. Another time that you and I often run to Jehovah Sabaoth is when we hit a dead end in life. You ever been there before? When you come into a situation where you can't do anything else to get out of that situation, you've exhausted all of your resources and you have nowhere to turn, who do you run to? You run to Jehovah Sabaoth, the one who delivers you. I remember several years ago, Angel and I went on a mission trip to Tikiev, Ukraine, and, and we had a great mission trip, um, but as we were leaving uh, Kiev and we were uh, heading to the airport, uh, I personally ran into a dead-end situation. Um, we had about 15 of us from First Baptist Church in Atlanta, which is where I was serving at that time, and uh, before we headed back to the States, uh, we wanted to eat some authentic Ukrainian food. So we stopped at McDonald's. Um, we ate, um, everybody loaded the van except for me, and so I went um, into the restroom to wash my hands before we got onto the, the van and head into the plane. Uh, but when I entered into uh, the restroom, something strange happened. As soon as I walked in, everybody walked out. I'm a pretty imposing fellow. <laughs> but when everybody walked out, something kind of went in my mind and said, okay, what is going on here? And then suddenly, a large Ukrainian man came into the bathroom. And I'm washing my hands, and he comes up close to me. He had no idea what personal space meant. He gets close to me. And he gets closer and closer, and he starts yelling at me in Ukrainian. But for some reason, I understood every single word that he said. <laughs> And he was getting close to me. 
And I'm sitting there washing my hands, and I'm going, this is not a good situation. I'm in this bathroom all by myself. The rest of our team is on the van. They're waiting for me. And students, and this was at a time when cell phones really didn't exist. (laughs) I had nothing. And I'm there with this huge Ukrainian man, and he is yelling at me, screaming at me, and I'm thinking I'm going to be robbed, beaten, or something worse. I was in a dead-end situation. I was in trouble, and nobody knew about it, and I'm stuck. And so I did what any brave man would do. I squealed like a girl. Man, I'm telling you, (laughs) mm, I didn't. But I'm going to tell you what I did, and often I don't like to tell these stories where you think that I'm the hero. I don't want you to think that's in the story, but, but I want you to see a dead-end situation. What do you do when you're in a dead-end situation? I did the only thing that I knew to do. I called out to God. And I turned to that Ukrainian giant of a man, and I turned to him. And I said, you stop in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You stop in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You stop in the, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And something happened. He quietly turned and walked out the door. And I went, praise be to God that I'm alive. <laughs> but I tell you this story because... I've been in a dead-end situation, and you've been in a dead-end situation, amen? Amen. And you may be in one right now where you have done every single thing that you can, and you can't, you just can't, and you want to throw in the towel, and you want to stop because nobody has come to your rescue, but let me tell you something, child of God. Our God's name is Jehovah Sabaoth, and he is the great rescuer. And he's here today, and he wants you to know you hang in there, and you call out to me, Jehovah Sabaoth. Well, let's find out who this Jehovah Sabaoth is. Look with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, and I want to tell you a story that we find in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, and this story, um, it also takes place in Isaiah, um, but it's the story of, of a king by the name of Hezekiah. Now, when you look at the life of Hezekiah, you will quickly see that Hezekiah is one of the greatest kings of Judah. If you've ever been to Jerusalem and you've taken a tour of Jerusalem, you've probably walked through a tunnel that Hezekiah built in the time of 700 BC. It's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. This is the king that we're talking about this morning in studying the name of Jehovah Sabaoth. Well, I want you to follow along and you stay with me here this morning as we look at this king how he comes to know God as Jehovah Sabaoth, and then what that means for you and I today. And if you're with me this morning, say amen. Amen. Chapter 29, 2 Chronicles, verse number 1. You follow along. 
And it reads, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Look at verse number two. And he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Hezekiah was a good king. He was a godly king. He had godly leadership, and he had replaced his father Ahaz as the king. And guess what about Ahaz? He was a bad king. As a matter of fact, Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, worshipped all the idols, and as a matter of fact, he burned one of his sons at the altar of Baal. How would you like to have that for your dad? That was Hezekiah's dad. Ahaz dies, Hezekiah comes to reign, and he is a good king. Look at verse number three, and look what he brings to the nation. He brings repentance, he brings revival, because his dad had done such a horrible thing. Verse three, in the first year of Hezekiah's reign, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. His dad had shut the doors of the church. He shut the doors. And now his son says, no, I'm opening them up, verse number five. And then he said, listen to me. He's speaking to all the nation of Judah, the, uh, the tribe of God's people. He says, consecrate yourselves now. Consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry, listen to this, carry the uncleanness out from this holy place. He says, get rid of all of this junk, verse six, for my father, our fathers, have been unfaithful. And they've done evil in the sight of the Lord our God, and they have forsaken him and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord. What you see very quickly is that Hezekiah wants to worship the God and the God alone. And he was tired of a nation and the government rejecting the king of kings. Are you with me? And he says, not on my watch, on my watch, we are going to worship the one true living God. You continue on, look down, jump down to verse number 30, and you see not only has he brought revival, he has rebuilt the temple, and then he restores worship into the nation. Verse 30, Hezekiah ordered the Levites to sing praises to the Lord. So they sang praises with joy, and they bowed down and they worshiped. Jump to verse number 36, and then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what God had prepared for the people. Life was good under Hezekiah. He was a good man. He was a good king. And under his leadership, the people were united in the fear of the Lord. Idols were put away, and they continually sought God's blessings under Hezekiah's leadership. But guess what God did? Instead of a blessing, guess what God led them to? A dead end. <laughs> Can God do that? Can God do that? Where you put your idols away, you worship, you sing, you praise, you bow down, you seek God's blessings, but can God bring a dead end situation into your life even though you've been doing these things? Yes, he can. And so many times, he often does that in our life. And as we've been studying the names of God, what have we discovered? Is that God often reveals himself in times of testing. Amen? 
We talked about it recently, how much we all love to be tested. This is the way God reveals himself to us. And so instead of a blessing, guess what God does? He brings a battle to, to, to Judah, uh, the nation of Judah, and to Hezekiah. Well, turn over with me to Isaiah chapter 36. Y'all still with me this morning? Some of you got a glazed look on your face and your eyes. Y'all stay with me. Look at Isaiah chapter 36. It's on page 860 in my Bible. Well, this is just picking up the story. It's the same story of Hezekiah. Now, God has brought them into a dead-end situation. What's the dead-end situation, and what does Hezekiah do? Look in Isaiah chapter 36, verse number 1, and it reads, Now, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah, and what did he do? He seized them. In verse number two it says, And the king of Assyria sent to Jerusalem to Hezekiah a large army. Now stop there. Hezekiah's doing the right thing. He's worshiping. He's restored the nation. He's built the nation back up. He's done the right thing, but now all of a sudden, the great nation of Assyria has come across the desert, has come now against Jerusalem, and now has has laid a siege on the great city of Jerusalem. Now this is no small battle. This is not a little uh, irritant. This is a big battle. You read on in Isaiah chapter 37, 37, verse 36, it says this, that Sennacherib and the Assyrians brought with them 185,000 men. 135,000 men have surrounded the city. This is a big problem. This is a dead-end situation. Historians would say that this siege went on for months, cut off the, uh, the food supply, cut off the water supply. It is a long, long problem. And many of you are in a long, long problem in a dead-end situation, and you don't know where to turn. This is the context for Isaiah chapter 36 what Hezekiah finds himself in. And not only is it a big problem, the Assyrians, they're not very humble people. As a matter of fact, they are known as some of the uh, history's greatest trash talkers. You know what I mean when I say trash talking? Anybody here a trash talker? Yeah, some of you are, yeah. If some of you are trash talkers, what am I talking about? If you think of a, a basketball player or a football player who um, likes to get into the face of somebody and they like to talk trash. They like to say things about you and about other things and they just want to get into your mind and they want to get you off your game is exactly what they want to do. They want to, they just want you to think that nothing is possible. Well, the Assyrians were some great trash talkers. Look at verse number four. And it says this, then Rabshakeh said to them, now, the Rabshakeh is not a name, it's a title. This is the field commander. Sennacherib sends the field commander, commander, a trash talker, to throw some serious shade on God's people. Don't you stop there for just a second. One of the reasons many of us are in a dead situation, or excuse me, a dead-end situation, 
is because we listen to the lies of Satan. Satan is the greatest trash talker in all of mankind. And he says things to you that aren't true. Students, listen to me. He says things to you that aren't true at all. Y'all with me? Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, about Satan, he said this, there is no truth in him. And whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks of his nature. He speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is how the devil works. He speaks lies, and it's just trash. It's just trash talking. And whenever Satan, and you listen to the trash that Satan speaks into your mind, here's what happens. You begin to think, man, I can't do this. I will never get out of this situation. I might as well just end things and just give up. Folks, listen, when you begin to believe that thought, that's a lie from Satan. Man, you got to get out of that situation. You got to get out. You're in a dead-end situation when you listen to the enemy. I think I might need to do a series on the devil's trash talk, don't you think? I mean, he is a trash-talking machine. Well, what does he do? I want you to listen. Look what he does. Look back in verse number four. And it says this, And the field commander said to them, uh, God's people, and he said, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, where's your confidence? All along, Hezekiah's been saying, yeah, we put our trust in God. We put our trust in God. And now, all of a sudden, this trash talker, the Assyrians, come along and says, who's your confidence? He's got an in. He's made you question. And look what he does in verse number five. And he questions who, he questions three things in the life of Judah. Same thing in us. Look at verse five. He says this, your counsel, this is the Assyrians, your counsel, your strength for the war are only empty words. Now on whom do you rely? Here's what they do. Here's what the trash talkers do. They come after three things. Here in the life of Judah, they come after one, their counsel. They are saying this, the trash talker, the Assyrians are saying this to Hezekiah and to God's people. They're saying this, you don't have the ability to make a good decision. You can't do it. You're getting bad counsel. You're listening to the wrong people. Come listen to us. He attacks their decision-making ability. Then he says, you don't have any strength. You're strength for the war. You don't have any. What the trash talker says is, you can't fight me. You have no strength. You might as well quit now. Just give up. Just give up. And the third thing that he goes after, that the trash talker of the Assyrians it goes after, it says in verse 4, now on whom do you rely? And if you look in verse number 14, it says this, Sennacherib, it says, thus says the king, Sennacherib, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver the city. Look at verse 18. Beware that Hezekiah does not mislead you, saying the Lord will deliver us. Listen to what he says at the end. He says, has any of the gods of the nations delivered his hand from the hand of the Assyrians? What this trash talker is saying is, not only can you not make decisions, not only are you not strong enough, he says this, your God can't save you. You, you aren't big enough. His, your God isn't big enough. Whoo! And when you believe those lies, guess what? You are in a dead-end situation. Amen? 
I mean, in other words, this is Satan saying to Judah, he says to us, you're dumb, you're weak, and you're alone. You ever heard those phrases go on in your head before? You're dumb, you're weak, and alone. That's all in line with Satan, the king of trash, talking. Well, what do you do? What do you do? I want you to write this down. Whenever you find yourself in a dead-end situation, don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what God can do. When you are in a dead-end situation, don't look at the negative circumstances, what you can't do. You need to look at what God can do. I love what Paul writes in Romans chapter 4, verse 17 about Abraham. He says this, that he, Abraham, believed even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Here's what Paul says that God can do. God can do at least two things you can't do, that you and I can't do. Number one, that you and I can't do, God can bring the dead back to life. Amen? Are y'all with me? Can God bring the dead back to life? Absolutely. And then Paul says this, that God can create something out of nothing. Meaning God has the ability to give life to that which does not have life, and he has the ability to create something out of nothing. Which means this, our God is big. Which means if you are in a dead-end situation, that situation is not dead to God because he can bring dead things back to life. And some of you are in that dead-end situation and you wonder if God can deliver. Well, the answer is yes, he can because of his name, Jehovah Sabaoth. Well, let's look what Hezekiah did. Look in verse number 14, all right? I'm sorry, jump to chapter 37, verse number 14. Y'all still with me this morning? Look at chapter 37, verse 14. Look what Hezekiah did when he was in this dead-end situation. Then Hezekiah took a letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. The Assyrians wrote a letter talking trash. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Verse 15, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord saying, look at verse number 16, and he says this, O Lord of hosts. What's that name? That's Jehovah Sabaoth. When he's in a dead-end situation, he's been listening to the lies, he comes to the Father and he says this, O Jehovah Sabaoth, Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, who is throned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, and you have made heaven and earth. Verse 17. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear, listen to all the words of Sennacherib, and send them to repro- who sent them to reproach the living God. Verse 20, now, O Lord, our God, you, Jehovah Sabaoth, deliver us, deliver us from his hand. Why? So that I can be set free? So that I can go do what I want to do? So that I can enjoy the spoils of life? No. Why? So that the kingdoms of earth may know that you and you alone are Lord, our God. Wow. Gives me goosebumps. I can tell it doesn't give you goosebumps. That's really incredible. Stephen. In times of battle, in times of a dead end, what did Hezekiah do? He ran straight to Jehovah Sabaoth. 
Now, what do you do? What do you do? I want you to write this down. Number one, you've heard me say this. Number one, you run to Jehovah Sabaoth. You run to him. You're in a dead-end situation. You go run to him. You run to the Lord of hosts. You run to the commander of armies. You run to our deliverer. That's exactly what Hezekiah did. Look at verse 21 and see what God does. Chapter 30, Isaiah 37, verse 21. Look what God does. And then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent word to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me, who has Hezekiah prayed to? Jehovah Sabaoth. Because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Israel, jump down to verse 33, he will not come to the city or shoot an arrow there, and he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, by the same he will return, and he will not come to the city, declares the Lord. Verse 35, for I will defend this city. Stop there. How can God defend the city of Jerusalem? It's because of who he is. He is Jehovah Sabaoth, our defender and deliverer, and he will save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. When you come to a dead-end situation, number one, you run to Jehovah Sabaoth. Number two, you rely on what God has said. What did God say was going to happen to the Assyrians? What did he say? Okay, I'm going to ask the question again, all right? What did God say was going to happen to the Assyrians? It's exactly right. It's exactly right. He said, they ain't going to get you. He said, there will be no arrow thrown, there will be no spear thrown, Nobody will come after you. Why? Because of my name, because I am Jehovah Sabaoth. I'm your defender. And because you have called out to me in my name so that my name will be made known to the nations, I will respond to you and I will protect you. And so folks, listen, when you're in a dead-end situation, you have got to go back to what God has said. Has God ever said he was ever going to leave you alone? No. He said, I will be with you, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Boom, I'm not alone. God has said, I will be your strength in all things. Does that mean that you are weak? A little bit, but your strength comes from who? Christ Jesus. You are not weak in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because this is who God is, but when you're in a dead-end situation, when you can't do anything else, When you're pinned into a corner, what do you do? You go back to what God has said, and you trust it, and you hold on to it, and you believe what God has said. And here's what I know, that when you hold on to God's word in the middle of a dead-end situation, you will not panic. Why? Because he's Jehovah Sabaoth. He's your great defender. Well, what did God do? Well, look at verse 36. What did God do? God kept his word. Look at verse 36. And the angel of the Lord went out and he struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men arose early in the morning, behold, 
Behold, all were dead. Wow. Jehovah Sabaoth showed up and delivered Hezekiah from a dead end situation. Wow. And what God is saying through this story is this, you run to me, you rely on me, and I'll let you know this, it's gonna be okay, because I'll fight for you. I'll fight for you, because my name is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the commander of the armies, the warrior. I will fight for you. You hang in there. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Well, turn to Psalm 46, please. Now I'm going to close with this. Go to Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is one of the most famous psalms in, in this long 150-chapter book of psalms. It's known as the psalm of trouble. But do you know the context of Psalm 46? Many of you know Psalm 46, verse 10, which says, be still and know that I am God. You know that scripture. But do you know the context of Psalm 46? And do you know who wrote Psalm 46? The author of Psalm 46 is a king by the name of Hezekiah. The day after, God destroyed 185,000 Assyrians. That didn't blow you away? That didn't blow you away? That didn't blow you away? Does that blow you away? It blows me away. And so in these days, here's what would happen. Whenever a battle was over, the victorious king would ask the nation to come back onto the battlefield and to see what has taken place. And so Hezekiah, the victorious king, wants the nation to come and behold the wondrous works of God. You listen as I read this. You allow it to minister to you in your dead-end situation. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That Hebrew word for trouble, it means distress. It means a dead-end situation. And it says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, can you see Hezekiah telling the people, God's our present help. He's our help in times of trouble. Don't you see? The earth shook, but we're not going to fear. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. You know what word that is, the name of God? That's Jehovah Sabaoth. 
He says, we have God on our side. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Can you imagine what the Israelites experienced the night that they were under attack and they expect a battle and the next morning they wake up and they go look out on the battlefield and all of them are dead? Can you imagine? All the joy that has come into their lives. Praise God, we've been delivered from our dead-end situation. Verse 6, the nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And then look at verse 8 through verse 11. Just let this soak in. When he says to the nation, come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. Picture him saying that as they're looking out over all of the dead bodies when he says, come behold the works of our God. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. And he burns the chariots with fire. That would be the great title of a movie. <laughs> and then verse 10, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. You know, we like to stop at the end of that word God. That's not the context. You gotta keep reading. Why do we need to be still to know that I am God? He tells us. Because God says, I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in all the earth. Do you remember Hezekiah's prayer in the midst of a dead-end situation? Oh, Jehovah Sabbath, deliver us because we want to be free, because we want to roam the land, because we want to enjoy the bounty of the land. No! He said, deliver us so that your name will be made known among the nations. And here God says, you be still and know that I'm God. God is saying, it's going to be okay. Whatever your situation is, you're going to be okay. And I'm going to make my name known through your dead-end situation. And you hang in there because it's going to be okay. And he closes it with this. Jehovah Sabaoth is with us. Wow. Just wow. God, our deliverer, is with us. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know the dead-end situation that you're going through. But I know the one who knows exactly what you're going through. And so I just want to encourage you today to you run to him. You rely on his word, and then you rest. You rest in him because he will fight for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you.
Father, your word says, be still and know that I am God. That you will be exalted among the nations, that you'll be exalted in all the earth. I pray this morning, just for a few moments, we can just be still and, and know that you're God. Wherever you are right now, just, just be still. Cliff will play. You just be still for just a moment and acknowledge who God is. And hear God say over you these words, it'll be okay. I'll fight for you, for that's my name, Jehovah Sabaoth. Just hear him say that over you. in just a moment we're going to stand and, and sing and respond but if you need to come to the altar to, to pray and cry out to Jehovah Sabaoth the altar's open I'm here at the front to pray Josh is up here to pray with you Britain's here uh, John is here folks let's, there's no reason for you to seek another answer to your dead end situation his name is Jesus why don't you run to the arms of Jehovah Sabaoth Father we just want to say thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.